Welcome to episode six of Craftish, a podcast of conversations about craft ish. The real focus is on the stories behind the craft, the journeys that lead knitwear designers, filmmakers, artists, quilters, writers, or anyone on a creative path to where they are today and where they're headed to next. I'm your host, Vicki Howell. This episode is sponsored by Brooklyn Craft Company, a craft studio and DIY classroom for the modern maker. They offer workshops including sewing, dyeing, knitting, jewelry, art, paper crafts, pretty much anything cool you'd want to learn. Plus, they throw epic craft parties. For more information, go to brooklyncraftcompany.com. On today's episode, we're hearing from Ed Roth. Ed is a street artist, entrepreneur, and the founder of the wildly popular stencil company, Stencil One. He's kind of been the veritable gateway drug of crafting, too, for many who would have never considered it an interesting pursuit otherwise. His designs cross a unique combination of street, nature, and pop culture. His stencils are in retailers nationwide, and he's collaborated with brands ranging from Converse to the Ace Hotel in Manhattan. I'm pretty sure, too, that he's one of the few, if not the only, person to be both praised by the domestic Queen Martha Stewart and compared to the infamous artist Banksy. He's also my dear friend. So I'm thrilled to introduce him to you now. Ed Roth, thank you so much for being on Craftish. Oh, Vicki, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you. I wanted to start with um, something that you say at the beginning of one of your books, Stencil 201. Mm-hmm. You mention um, stenciling is an act, for, or I'm sorry, stenciling is an art form that transcends social and economic economic barriers. And to me, that spoke to something that's really important to me, which is making craft um, and art accessible to everyone. Is is that something that you gave thought to when starting your com- company Stencil One or when creating stencils f- sort of for the masses? I don't think I thought about releasing something I don't think I put thought, I think it was naturally in me (laughs) to do something affordable because it's just the way I grew up and how I think. Um, I, but, um, so that's just in me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I'm glad that, um, you know, the afterthought of what I made, I'm like, well, why do I like stencils? And I'm like, well, it empowers people who can't just draw anything. And um, also, uh, it is affordable. If you can cut out a simple image on a thick piece of paper, you can create that motif over and over. Um, And then if I provide them a tool that's um, pretty affordable, um, you know, I can spread artwork in an affordable manner. You know, somebody doesn't have to go buy um, tons of, supplies and, and uh, other tools that might cost more money. So um, I didn't think of it directly uh, to start. It just was how I think. I'm a, a frugal thinker, I believe. Did you start, you have a background in web design. Was that a direct translation for you um, for moving into sort of the stencil realm? Oh, um, let's see. I, I started in graphic design at a... a small graphic design house in Soho in New York. And then I moved into web design. And then the jump to, uh, well, stencils were a hobby when I was a teenager. Um, so 
I did learn a lot of digital um, skills in the web design world, uh, including having to create illustrations for websites. So, and and just the um, discipline of um, working in uh, web design companies, and and I worked at a lot of uh, TV production houses with. I did motion graphics for uh, commercials, movies. I think all those skills brought me back to my hobby and helped me perfect it and make it a business because I learned to be a little more um, disciplined and business strong by, uh, you know, working in those corporate worlds. So I hope that answers that question of... um, the transition from one to the other, it was helpful. Well, I just wonder because a lot of graphic design is so sort of iconic, you know, um, mm. or iconographic rather. Um, and mm. and so in that way, I wonder if it would made it, it seems like it would translate. I wonder if you went back to any of the things that you had created graphically for, for work and sort of riffed with them to then create a stencil, not necessarily for your business, but just yeah. if there was a pathway there at all. Mm, I love that question. It makes me think about um, a saying, because uh, I used to do a lot of logo design in the web design world if we were doing somebody's full identity uh, makeover. And they would say, um, a good logo can be drawn in the sand. And I love that. I and so, love I, that. <laughs> yeah. And so when I see a busy logo, I just want to scream. Um, and a stencil can always be drawn in the sand because it's all like little parts that, so I think a lot of people have said to me, um, I like your designs because they're flat and simple and I can take them and do what I want with them. So I think something about always going back to simplicity and design does carry over into um, my new world of stencils. So that's, yeah. A, th- a thought-provoking one for for me to think about. I like that. Well, I think also that speaks to, you know, I know we both sort of teach and we work in, you know, at conferences sometimes or, or, or just within our community. And people are so fearful of creativity or or often have feelings of being lesser than and, and just there's such a block there because of, I, I don't know, maybe – Maybe because, you know, creativity isn't, you know, sort of embedded in us with in art programs anymore, or maybe it's just, you know, the fear of rejection. But mm-hmm. I feel like when you can when you can sort of make it black and white, both literally and figuratively for people, um, and, and that's something that stenciling can really do if you can take out all of the busyness that might happen with it, for something that requires a ton of shading or several levels of technique. And you can really show beauty and simplicity. It opens up sort of a kind of a joyous world to someone who may not have considered themselves creative before then. Mm. I, I would agree. I think it's less intimidating to see one simple stencil image and there's really one step you're, well, very few steps. You're placing it down on your surface and you're painting into the open areas uh, with a certain technique. But um, I've still seen people freeze up at my events and teaching. Like, they're like, I don't want to screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then when they learn that it's not hard, 
I see that them flow. So it's just that initial thing to get over. And at least this is a, <laughs> the gateway, <laughs> the gateway drug to crafting is, um, I'm pretty sure I coined that term for you on a Facebook or on an uh, Amazon review. I'm pretty sure. Maybe that's that's right. I'm <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's easy enough to, you know, if you just get in there. So, um, and cause it's, you're right. It goes back to that, like simple, okay. It's just one icon. It's, it's, it's just some open shapes. Let me, mm-hmm. let me try this. Actually, um, I think it was in the intro to craft core, my book that I interviewed you for, and I called you the gateway drug to getting dudes to be crafty oh, or, or creative you, in general. You know, I always love that you, um, mentioned to me, um, and in there that, um, that guys and, and your son was drawn to the stencils. Um, I, I love my I brother, my firefighter brother, <laughs> who like yeah. you know would never, never call himself crafty, but totally is. He right. he, you know, because of the because of the craft, maybe itself, but really because of the images that you have created. I think that it sort of transcends sort of the traditional aspect or or maybe the stereotypical mm-hmm. aspect of mm-hmm. what, you know, using a stipple brush might have, might have <laughs> uh, you know, been construed as before. Um, these, your graphics tend to be sort of an interesting mix of pop culture, wilderness, and street art. Are these... Yeah. Are these images something that when you were starting that you wanted to see and didn't see, or are they just a direct translation of what your life experience is? Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, um, and thank you for what you've said. I, I've created what I like, um, and definitely I guess it's life experiences because here I am in Brooklyn and I see water towers and well, back in the day, you saw boom boxes, and you know I love that uh, street aesthetic, and um, I love stencil graffiti, which um, uh, that greatly inspires me. And I thought, well, these iconic images are going to make their way onto clothing, and why can't they make their way onto other things? Like, like why can't you put a boom box repeat on your walls in your house? And, you know, we're talking 11 years ago when I was thinking, like, let's, let's, I, I was seeing a transition from street artists becoming gallery artists. And then I thought, well, what is wrong with them being decorative artists, too? Um, and uh, so my imagery um, are all things I like. I, I go upstate here in New York a lot, and um, I love nature. I love patterns um in like vintage tiles so i love you know home decor Mm -hmm. but i also love um the pop culture you know like uh uh, imagery and um a lot of eclectic stuff too so uh i just want to make what i like but of course as a business i have to make what other people will like too and will of course sell so um sometimes you but luckily if I'm going to make something like, uh, okay, flowers, flowers, I do love flowers. And mm-hmm. how can I make the most beautiful flower I like? Because a lot of people are buying my flower designs. So I'm going to make, um, well, what flowers do I like in, in design? Well, I like uh, Japanese textiles and 
you know, I'll look at vintage kimonos and beautiful motifs on them and say, oh, look at these moms. So now I have a whole bunch of moms I, I just love, and it seems people like them too. So yeah. just That seems like such a dance um, because a flower in and of itself is very much a traditional crafty motif. Yes. Um, and, you know, your the inception of your stencil career was really on the, the antithesis of that, right? You're, you're trying right. to do street art, but you're a businessman also. Right. right. So finding that balance of, I guess, just sort of like the graphic aspect or maybe the vintage or the kitsch or whatever that makes it still true to you while still fulfilling the sort of creative entrepreneurial mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. must be challenging. It's, it's interesting. I, I look at mums, like for back to the mum example, floral, and it, that is, you're right, like if you went back into the archives of stencils in the 70s or 80s, you'll see some flower <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, well, I'll make the most tasteful flower that, that works for me. And uh, it also comes down to, well, to, for two things. It comes down to, for me, the design and making it as beautiful as I can make it, and also um, the projects. I love, you know, as you said, we both teach. And when I show projects on the blog and, and do teaching, well, I'll bring my bicycle stencils with the mums, and the bicycle wheels are circular, and the mums are circular, and I'll mix those together. Mm. Um, or I'll paint on dark blue indigo dyed material with white mums to to get the feeling of where I got my inspiration for the Japanese textiles. So I'll try to uh, be inspired, uh, be inspiring to people by doing the most um, the prettiest stuff I could do. But if they want to take the mum and you know, do their own thing with it, then that's great too. Um, so it kind yeah, of makes it, me, um, when, when you're describing this, I'm seeing, um, kind of like a cool old vintage bicycle that you might find at a thrift store that somebody then turns into this like cool planter in their backyard. It's like, <laughs> it's utilizing materials in an unexpected way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I it's, think that that's kind of a, that's kind of a gift creatively to give to, a student or a follower or a consumer um, because we are so, it is so ingrained in us to think of things within these lines, you know, and, and just by definition being creative um, is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, During um, you also mentioned um in one of your books that uh, something that's that's actually become an unwitting um, theme of this podcast and you call it the great give and take and um, it's something I wanted to talk a little bit about and it's that surprise as an artist a crafter a creative entrepreneur whatever um, however you like to define yourself of how inspired that you become by what the people are making who were inspired by your products or craft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little to that, what that feels like and how that inspires you creatively? 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a great give and take. I, uh, I create a simple, sorry, there's some sound outside. Well, you do live in New York. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I create a simple iconic stencil image and when I put that out there and I see how people, uh, you know, I create that digitally, it gets cut with a laser. So it's very, you know, it's a, you know, it's a computer. It's not the warmest process and there's no people involved. And then when I release that out, uh, well, I get to paint with it, which is giving me my own satisfaction and then get, I get to be tactile. But the bigger gift is when I see what people have made, uh, our, my, my customers uh, will send me image. We always say, please send us images of what you've made. And I have, you know, people's talents are just incredible. Uh, you know, we're just providing a simple tool and to see people's uh, uh, choice of surface um, and, and what they've created using the stencil, things I've never thought of, you know, of course, like somebody will paint something on a wall, but yeah. um, even that, I, I got an email the other day from a customer and she just wanted more of a backdrop to these plates that she wanted to hang on her wall. And the plates were obscure. They were like scenes of like woodsy cottages. They were really cool. And then she put all these metallic uh, or shiny mums behind it that were almost the same color as the wall. Um, the layering was just so genius. I was like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that. And um, I've had customers paint paint their Uggs, paint yeah. uh, sweaters, which are you know difficult to paint wool and stuff. Um, uh, a toilet, the back of a toilet with a little deer. They did like a woodsy lodge theme in this bathroom. I mean, um, that just makes sense though, really. That's a perfect <laughs> flat surface. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, again, that challenge of porcelain, I was like, okay, go for it. Um, yeah, I, there's such a reward in seeing uh, art, you know, perpetuating art. People are, are creative. You and know. that's that, that give and take that you're speaking of that I love so much because... And I was talking to uh, Rachel Heron, who's a um, she's a best-selling um, novelist, and she was talking about how we were talking about the feeling of people, you know, appreciating your work, and and she shared a story about a woman who had been really affected by her work and had read it like during a hospital visit and that type of thing, and she was talking about how rewarding that was and how how you know the woman showed such great appreciation, and we were talking about but she's still feeding Rachel at the same thing like that that love and appreciation then feeds Rachel again to be able to create more and it sounds like it's the same thing from I mean that's a that's a writer but from an artist perspective you know you're they come to you you know seeking this inspiration and probably completely you know never expect that they're then inspiring the artist Right, right. Yeah, I don't think they're thinking that, but they, they definitely are. You're, you're right. It's very, um, it's, it is feeding my soul and, and pushing me. Um, one woman came uh, up to me at a trade show, and I had my books there, and she said, um, I have your first book, and I work with um, inmates at a prison, and she's like, they, 
they come to me. It's like art therapy um, mm-hmm. is what she teaches. And she said they, they really won't open up and chat with her much. But then she brings out the book and they start painting together. And she's like, and then they start talking. And I, <laughs> I like, God, I can almost cry when I think of that story. I'm like, um, you know, the power of art and, and loosening people up and yeah. uh, empowering them. So uh, it's definitely nurturing on, you know, sometimes a very deep level. I mean, you can <laughs> sleep well at night with that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. At what point, so you transitioned from, you at some point decided that you didn't want to work in the sort of corporate world. Yeah. Um, and decided that you would sort of go out on your own. Did you know what that was going to look like at the time when you took this leap of faith? Did you ha- sort of have a clear sort of entrepreneurial path? Or were, did you take this total like artist abandon um, journey towards wherever um, mm. wherever it was going to take you? Right. I, I, it wasn't um it wasn't like jumping out of a plane without the parachute and then, the, you know, whatever that saying is, uh, you know, build the parachute on your way down or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was because I just did it as a project. I, I basically, um, I quit a job, uh, a corporate, uh, where was I? I was working at an ad agency, um, which I termed the crucible. It was a very competitive place. <laughs> I was like, you know, everyone's accusing everyone else of being a witch. Um, it was, I just had it with the corporate stuff. So, um, I, I had some money saved cause that was a decent paying job. And I said, well, I was running a small art gallery with a friend in, in Brooklyn and we were promoting a lot of street artists and, um, doing, we had these affordable art shows. Everything was always under a hundred dollars. And, um, I, I thought, um, it's funny to think that 10 years ago, um, there wasn't much web inspiration happening. Like if you want to, you know, we have Pinterest now and everything, but, uh, years ago, if you wanted inspiration, you'd go buy design books. Yeah. Um, it's really weird to think that's only 10 years ago. Um, so I would always be buying design books, books on stencil graffiti, books on, um, uh, design houses, their portfolio would be in books. Um, and I said, I want to put out a book. So that's what I did. I ventured into, let me just build this book and then maybe this book will sell. Were you planning Uh, on self-publishing at that point? I didn't know. I, I just, I I was buying the, um, different stencil graffiti books. So the first people I showed it to were publishers of those books. So I thought, oh, you know, I, I did my research, like, how much is self-publishing? How do you get something made? Oh, okay. These publishers make books for you. <laughs> you right. know, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. So how did you even get them to see, to see I, your stuff at that point? I called them up and I said, I have a new book that I made a prototype of. Can I show it to you? Can I come in? And they said, yeah, really? Yeah. Like I called, like, I think it was Thames and Hudson and some yeah. other publishers. And I was like, um, and they said, this is a cool book. You know, I, okay. So I built a prototype book by scratch. I, uh, uh, had 50 designs cut. I ripped apart a binder 
and use the metal clipping inside uh, to hold the stencils. And I re, uh, I hand painted a cover out of uh, cardstock, um, and I built this like super crafty DIY book. <laughs> um, it's I still have the book. It's it's such a great thing to always look at and remember how I started this. Um, I spray painted every single page in the book, like so you'll see the stencil, and then the next page is it applied. But I hand painted everything. Yeah. Um, and they said, this is really cool, but this would be really expensive to make, and we've never made anything like this. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? I'm a web designer, so let me build a website and start selling the stencils and see how that goes. And um, it got press. It got written up on coolhunting.com, um, the stencil selling. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, New York Times called me after cool hunting and they wanted to do a little story on it. And me never running a business and never making a product before, that really taught me the lesson of the importance of press. Yeah. Uh, because then it, a store, uh, Blick Art Materials called and we're like, we want to carry your stencils. And I said, oh, I, I just stuff them in envelopes for my house. <laughs> yeah. And they so, you know, it's really... What were you making them out of at that point? That seems like a huge leap from... A very punk rock book. That sounds awesome. And I want to see pictures of it. Yeah, um, to, um, to deciding that you're going to produce some and sell them on your site, which by the way, at that point, there wasn't PayPal. There wasn't Etsy. So yeah. you there's a lot more bells and whistles that you had to go through to, to set up shop. Yeah. Like, well, and, and actually, I did it when PayPal just started and I heard about these PayPal buttons and that's how I did it. Really? Really? Yeah. So you were on board from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the stencils were made of mylar then and they're mylar now and they uh, they were different mylar. But Were you uh, hand cutting them at that point? No, they were machine cut. So when I had started and I thought, oh, I want this to be a book, I had sourced a manufacturer who could make them in mass. So from the start, I... From the start, I outsourced, which um, uh, has yes. always been a question. You don't hear, yeah, you don't hear that often. That's exactly great Some foresight. Are, right. I mean, my own prototypes and my own um, uh, hobby ones were hand cut or cut on a little uh, cutter here. But um, I, uh, um, yeah, I outsourced. And um, so that made my path a little easier. Um, and, you know, Blick said, well, get your get your packaging together because we want to pick these up and um, you know, to go start off the bat with a big store wanting you was like, Oh, I'm onto something like, you know, you feel that reward. Um, you feel acknowledged. Valued. <laughs> uh, yeah. Val yeah. Valued yeah. and validated. Um, and then, you know, just kept going. Uh, and then of course, two years later, I'm at a dinner where there's some friends, uh, friends who worked at Chronicle Books, and yeah. they said, um, "Oh wow, we should make a book of these stencils." And I was like, "Yes, that was the original." <laughs> that was You're the like, mission. "What a great idea!" <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, how are you? If you don't mind me asking, how are you funding outsourcing at that point at sort of like the beginning? Because that's usually, you know, uh, most artists are like, well, someday eventually I'm going to try and outsource. But and at that yeah. time, you know, now I'm 
I mean, you could set up, I guess, a Kickstarter and, and get that. But but at that point, were you just were you just like bootstrapping it? I was bootstrapping everything. Everything, all my career has been the bootstrap. Um, it's And in that beginning, um, I designed 50 designs and I had the 50 laser cut um, and shipped to me. Uh, there was a minimum quantity, but it wasn't much. I think I had to do like 10 or 20 of each. I think it was 20. And I, so that was my initial uh, investment was I had those 50 designs cut and they were on shelves in my house. Like I bought some mail slots from um, Staples mm -hmm. and, you know, each one was in its own little category. <laughs> and then uh, I'd be like, oh, I got a, two PayPal orders today, um, you know, and I put those in a priority envelope and send them to those people. Um, so it really wasn't a big investment. It, I think it probably cost me like a thousand bucks to get the first initial run because there was programming fees. Yeah. Um, but I had some money from that uh, web design uh, or, or ad agency job. So that was my my start. Your startup. Your startup, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, now, you know, cut to however many years later, are you at 10, 12 years of being a company? 11 years. 11 yeah. years? Yeah. And you're in, I mean, I know that I've seen your stuff in craft stores. I've seen it in Aaron Brothers. I've seen them in like really unexpected places. Yeah. How you spoke earlier about um, how your designs not changed, but it's been supplemented by a little bit more you know, traditional things like flowers and that sort of thing. At, at, at this point, when you are, when your reach is so much further than it was, you know, 11 years ago, how much of that, how much of what the publishers say or what the, you know, retailers say influences how you're designing now? Oh, uh, hmm. Not much. Uh, I'm not, well, when I did a licensing deal and my product went into Michael's, um, the, the buyers apparently, and the people I licensed to was um, Platt, they, they had some input and the buyers seemed to have a lot of input. Um, but any other store I deal with has never, ever said to me, um, what I should design. We just have hundreds of choices now. So they pick what they think will do well. Um, and I will also say to them, um, I'm selling, you know, this certain design very well on my site. So I would suggest you pick it up. Um, but, uh, we also, since, uh, we now have a distributor and they carry all of our designs and distribute those to all the mom and pops. So I'm still not huge. I'm still not in those major craft stores on my own, except through like that licensing deal. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, it's hard. Yeah. The real well, estate is hard. There's not the space. I mean, you almost have to go with the bigger people that already have shelf yeah. space. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning the politics of that. And, you know, you, you think that's your big dream as a small company, like, okay, I want to be in the biggest store mm -hmm. possible, but, um, it's very political and, yeah. um, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things I didn't know about. If you want to deal with the big boys, there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, hard, yeah, 
there's a lot of hard things to deal with. Um, you have to be big enough um, to be able to, uh, they want to return product at the end of the year. Um, there's a lot of discounts. Uh, yeah. Some big companies pay for shelf life in these stores. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, it's not I that realistic for an independent company. Really. It's, it's not. And they have told me, uh, some of the large ones have told me, we deal with 11 vendors and the chances of you being the 12th are not really in the cards. Like they'll just tell you. And I'm, <laughs> okay. Then I'm like, okay, I've been bothering you for a year and a half. Now I get it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could have said something. I don't know. A yeah, year and but, a quarter ago. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Cause, uh, I'm in the, uh, the soulful, uh, mom and pop stores. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, it gives you more creative license, I think, yeah. in a lot of ways. You um, you inspire so many people to be creative. What's what's inspiring you these days? Are there any street artists or anything particularly in pop culture? Or mm. speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, gosh, I'm, luckily I'm continually inspired. Um, I get a lot of inspiration when I go to a museum um, or if I go out in nature. Uh this week in New York are all these art fairs where um, galleries from around the world come and make a big show um, of their art that they represent. So I'll go look at um, current trends in art and uh, people's just amazing talents and look at the motifs in paintings. Um, so that was <laughs> the last two days I've been doing that. So that's been my latest. Yeah. Um, I went to Paris last year for an event and I just tried to go to every museum I could, um, and churches and look at, um, the motifs that are all through the Louvre, yeah. um, through, uh, the cathedrals, um, ancient stenciling on walls that are covered in like, you know, age. I was just so inspired are you, you know, sketching are you taking pictures with your phone how are you photos yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then i'll go home and sketch like oh i you know saw this motif and that could become a pattern um yeah uh, i went to the decorative arts museum in paris um uh took a lot of pictures outside as well um just just uh it could be a simple walk down the street here, uh, looking at, uh, I'll take pictures of walls around uh, Brooklyn that are maybe have graffiti on them or just are aged or even, uh, what was I taking a picture the other day? There's some patterns on a, um, on a manhole. And I was like, well, they kind of look like an African repeat pattern. Mm-hmm. So, so I shot that and you know, it was like a brown aged steel. And I was like, kind of looks like a like yeah. it could be a brown wall um so just keeping i just i guess because i'm a designer my eye is out for for that but i do feed myself a lot travel is like my one um you know when i can afford it it's my favorite thing to do yeah yeah um, have you been able to find a balance between you know creating and then running a creative business mm. It's, it's definitely two different things. Um, and, uh, 
I don't like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not born to do, um, Excel and QuickBooks. Um, I've learned it, I've learned it over the years and to keep your nose in your books is important. And, um, but with that said, I, I am still, uh, striving to grow my company where, um, I'm not doing everything. Um, you know, sometimes people think I'm bigger than I am, but I really do. Um, I mean, you travel with a posse now, so that could be <laughs> part of it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, we have an, we're a small team, but luckily my manufacturer does a lot for me as well. Yeah. Um, but sure, I'd love to, the balance is, um, it's something you have to do um, if you're this small, but um you know, there's days where the design hat is on and then there's days where I'm in QuickBooks filling out orders or like picking out SKUs for a new product and, you know, doing that stuff. Um, is it hard right. for you to switch your brain from one side to the other? I mean, not, you know, figuratively. Those are such different spaces within. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm going to be really honest that it is a buzzkill to do the business side of it. Yeah. Um, because there's days where I set out, like, I'm going to paint and put up some posts with these new stencils to inspire people. And then, you know, I mean, it's a blessing to get an order. So I'll get, oh, I got a big order. Let me put that into QuickBooks and do my process. And then some more emails will come through that are business related. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. But it's it interrupts not your flow. It sure does. Yeah. So I'm like, it's not a creative day today. <laughs> um, and then do you just honor that? Yeah, because those things have to get done, and that's part of business. And then I'm like, well, it'll happen. And, and you know, with that said, like, I can't force creativity some days. I can't. Yeah. If I'm not in the space, um, you know, I'll, I won't. I won't be creative that day. Like, and you I'm, can feel it, can't you? I I can feel a change in. I don't know if it's energy. I can feel like the air feels different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I know that I'm going to you know, be able to write or whatever. And I can tell sometimes when it's just not going to happen and what, you know, I can sit there and try and make it happen, but I might as well utilize that time for something else. Do you feel that at all? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel it. I'm like, it's a creative day. I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. And I'll, I'll, I won't check my computer for hours so I can do it because I'm in that mood. Yeah. Um, but if I'm not, then uh, like I'll say, oh, I should, and I'll say, I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm, I can't, do, I can't do that today. Do you have any rituals that could help um, get you back into that space if you needed to be music or exercise or whatever? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely several. I'm like a ritual person. Um, I, I, I have to exercise. I get all my ideas on, <laughs> on the treadmill. Um, or the elliptical or something like uh -huh. so many, I, if I'm like, Oh, I feel a little stagnant. I'll go do cardio. Um, I'll move around. I'll go for a walk. Um, I think blood movement, it's like super like a, just a chemical physical thing is to just get yourself moving. Yeah. So for me, if I break a sweat, like all these ideas will come. So that's one. Um, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, um, I'll meditate to kind of just ground myself. If yeah. I'm like, if you feel overwhelmed and you have a list, um, and the 
business stuff is weighing you down. Um, you know, I just, uh, I think of my, I think of myself as a computer restarting and I'll take, um, you know, a meditation break or even I'll, um, if my assistants are in here, I'll, I'll take a 10 minute nap and I really like think it's the equivalent of restarting your computer. Like you just shut down and you restart and you're like, okay, I'm are not. Are you able to fall asleep that fast? Yeah, I take, um, I, I can take like a 10 to 20 minute nap and I'll feel like, I'll feel like I took an hour of sleep at least. It's that's it's magnificent. Pretty, yeah, I love it. Um, that is a I gift, really, friend. Yeah, it's it's like a need though. It's uh, yeah. but it's it doesn't happen uh, often. But when I can do it, um, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or something, I'm like, let me let me do my siesta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's a small thing, and you know, people say, oh, that sounds like a luxury. Really, it's ten minutes. You know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can click through Facebook for, you know, 60 minutes and not get that same, (laughs) you know, productivity back. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's so important to honor sort of like, that's sort of like the biology taking over. Like your body is very adept at telling you when it needs something, you know? And so listening to it really ultimately will help you creatively. It's just it's, hard. It's hard yeah. when you keep hearing that bell go off, like from the emails. Right, right. Well, there's no technology in my bedroom. I, that's another thing um, oh, I try to good. do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are definitely. Um, I try to keep a balance in uh, a healthy life to make the business its best. You know, um, eat. You know, eat well, sleep well, um, give yourself a little break. And then I also, um, if, if I'm having a day where, you know, it, it's just human and part of the business, I guess, if you're feeling, oh, business is, um, you know, overwhelming me or business is slow or, um, or my mind is um, not exactly where I want it, sometimes I will uh, take that time to paint, just make something, make a little something. And um, it somehow empowers you. You feel like um, when you make a little something, uh, you know, that you, that you worked, uh, <laughs> you feel accomplished. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think, um, I hope, it's my hope that people who are listening to this podcast and making beautiful projects from your stencils, remember that. That sometimes in life, just making a little something can make a huge difference. I love that. I love that. I hope I, by me, them having the stencils at their hand there, if they're, uh, you know, that it's, uh, you know, bringing them some, some part of happiness in the day. That would be, again, a great reward. Well, Ed, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Oh, well, you know, you're one of my favorite people, so thank you for having me. Right back at you. Right back at you. <laughs> Thanks, friend. Ed Ross stencils, kits, and books can be found on the Stencil One website. For more information, please check out this episode's show notes page at vickiehowell.com slash craftish. Craftish is produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, Brooklyn Craft Company. Even if you're not in Brooklyn, check out their website. They have tons of inspirational photos and just really cool stuff in general. And if you like this episode, please share it with friends and take a moment to give a rating or review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. If you're interested in learning more about my other projects, including my online courses, project tutorials, or my latest book, We Garter Stitch, Must Have Knits for Modern Babies and Toddlers, go to VickiHowell.com and follow at VickiHowell on social media. If you have a craft or creative business question, please join me on my weekly live video Q&As called Ask Me Monday. Those are on Facebook, and they go live at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, but if that timing doesn't work for you, they can also be watched anytime under the video's playlist. That's at facebook.com slash Vicki Howell. Tune into the next episode of Craftish with my guest artist and founder of Zelma Rose, Lisa Anderson Schaefer. That'll go live on Tuesday. Until next time, take time to revel in your craft, whatever it may be. Breathe in, craft out. Bye.